In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. As we begin this time of prayer, Lord, in your presence, perhaps one of the things we can consider, which unfortunately we, we start to take for granted, is simply that, that fact, that wonderful reality, precisely of your presence, that no matter where we are right now, we have the faith to be convinced that God is here. God, God Almighty, the creator of the universe, the redeemer of the world, infinite being, is present to us. This is one of the great privileges of being a Christian, of being a creature even. We all stand in the presence of God. God is not far from his creatures. He's not far in a special way from his children, those he has made his children in his son, Jesus Christ. God is here. Wherever you are right now, God is not far from you. He's present. He's with you. There's a phrase which I don't like, but uh, I think it's instructive. You've probably heard it. It's, it's, it's the saying that familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. And it's a, a very cynical saying, of course, that when you get to know someone and spend a lot of time with them, that uh, you start to know their defects. You start to take for granted their good points. And you kind of focus on the negative in them. Well, Lord, far be it from us <clears throat> that our familiarity with you would ever lead to contempt. And we hope, Lord, with your grace that that's impossible. We would never want to openly or directly have anything close to contempt for your lovable goodness, for your lovable person. But there's a, but there's a, a similar phrase that could certainly apply at times to our, our prayer life, to our life of piety, to our faith. We could say that familiarity breeds routine. That familiarity breeds a kind of bad getting used to things that we shouldn't get used to. There's an, ex there's a, um, an experience that some people have had, it's kind of a, a language experiment, that if you say a word enough, eventually it loses its meaning. 
because it becomes just a sound and your mind goes elsewhere. So if you just said dog a million times in a row, right? dog, 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 you get the picture. Well, eventually you start thinking about um, trees or flowers or what you're going to have for lunch. And the, and the, the word dog would be reduced just to a sound that you're making without your mind or your intention or your imagination working with it. It would just be the physical, the physical enunciation of D-O-G. And this, something similar can happen in our prayer life. That um, if we don't put our mind and heart into it, if we don't stop and let ourselves be captured by wonder, God is real. God is present to me. That the, the notions of God and of Christ can kind of become vague and fuzzy, can lose meaning. And so, Lord, we make an act of faith with your help, with your grace. An act of faith precisely in your reality. Lord, that you and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are real. You exist independently of our thought, of our prayer. You exist outside of us, although we know that you also come to visit us and exist within us in the state of grace. The Old Testament helps us here. The Old Testament is full of wonder at the reality of God, the reality, the power of God that makes itself present precisely by intervening in history, precisely by coming to prophets and coming to holy men and women, and coming to the people of Israel and making his presence felt. This is from the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it forth before me. Who has announced from of old the things to come? Let them tell us what is yet to be. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. I am the first. I am the last. Besides me there is no God. Who is like me? That question, <clears throat> who is like me, reminds us of the archangel Michael. Michael, Michael, means who is like God. In Latin, qui sicut Deus, qui sicut Deus, who is like God. And of course, it's a rhetorical question. The answer is no one is like God. And this is the question that Michael, in his triumph over Satan, asks Satan, right, that who is like God? Why are you trying to set yourself self up over and against God? Why are you trying to be another God? Who is like God? No one is like God. So Lord, we ask you for this renewed sense of wonder that you're, that you're real, that you exist. You're the first and the last. 
your God Almighty. And that in spite of that power, in spite of that transcendence, in spite of that great holiness of yours, you're the God who's present to us. Job, in the book of Job, has a similar experience that we know the story. Job is afflicted with great suffering. He's afflicted with illness and then his family dies and his friends come to um, console him but they're not much of a help because they keep insisting that Job must be a great sinner to have this punishment put upon him from God. And Job keeps insisting, no, that I, I have examined my conscience and I've been just. I'm sure he wasn't perfect, but he's not aware of any great sin deserving of, of great punishment from God. And so the big question on Job's mind is, why? Why this suffering? Why this disease? Why this illness? Why the loss of my children? The loss of my property? Why? And the book of Job has, reaches its climax when, when God answers Job's questions with his own questions. God questions Job. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Who is it that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you and you shall declare to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk, or who laid its cornerstone, when the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth from the womb, when I made clouds its garments, and thick darkness its swaddling band, and prescribed bounds for it, and set bars and doors, and said, Thus far shall you come, and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the seal and it is dyed like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light? And where is the place of darkness? That you may take it to its territory and that you may discern the paths to its home. Do you know when the mountain goats bring forth? Do you observe the calving of the hinds? Can you number the, the months they fulfill? And do you know the time when they bring forth? When they crouch, bringing forth their offspring and are delivered of their young, their young ones become strong, they grow up in the open, they go forth and do not return to them. And so God questions Job as to, as to the details of nature, not just 
the expanse of the of the sky and the depths of the sea. Um, but to the little details, right? Do you know how long the deer and the goat are pregnant? And have you seen their calves be born? And of course, we see deer all the time, but when was the last time you saw a deer give birth? And so Job <clears throat> receives this answer. Job receives this answer from God. And God basically says, I am God, not you. And implicitly he's saying, you must trust me. Job suffers, and he can't understand it. And he questions God. Why the suffering? Help me understand it. Why can't I understand this? And God's answer is mysterious, but it's a good answer from God. God says, you don't have to understand it. I am God. I created all of this. I created you. You are not God. And implicitly there he's saying, trust me. So God, help us to recover the sense of your power, the sense of your majesty, the sense of your transcendence, your transcendent holiness, your transcendent goodness. Help us to see in our, in our smallness our right relationship to you. You are God. We are your creature. And then the Son of God, Lord, you are Lord Jesus Christ. The Son of God becomes man incarnate. And you, Lord, tell us many and great, wonderful things about God and about his relationship to us. Jesus teaches us to call that same God, the first and the last, creator of the universe, infinite being. He teaches us to call that same God, Father. When you pray, say, Father, our Father. And Jesus Christ, who is that God, the only begotten Son of God, God from God, life from light, true God from true God, from true God. You, Lord, who are God, call us friends and little children. And you say that in the Eucharist, you will abide in us and we will abide in you. Living in you and you living in us. And you tell us, Lord, that if we love you and keep your commandments, the Father And you will come to us and make your abode in us, living in us, making their abode in us, making their home with us, their home in the home of my life, their home in the home of my soul, their home in my physical home. We will make our abode with you. And St. Paul says that we are all temples of the Holy Spirit. And so the awesomeness of God, the wonder we have at God being creator of all that is, his wonderful transcendence, turns into awe at, at our own status. It turns into awe at ourselves that we, that we have this wonderful capacity of being in relation to God, present to him, possessing him this awesome God, this transcendent God, the creator of the world, infinitely powerful, infinitely beautiful, infinitely wise, 
infinitely holy. Because he loves us, he really is ours. He's our father, he's our friend, he's the guest of our soul. He's our origin, he's our destiny. Saint Leo the Great reminds us that this confers a special status on the Christian soul. A special status that we need to keep in mind, we need to be aware of. Christian, remember your dignity. And now that you share in God's own nature, do not return by sin to your former base condition. Bear in mind who is your head and of whose body you are a member. Do not forget that you have been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the light of God's kingdom. Christian, remember your dignity. Remember your relationship to God, your relationship to Christ. And these days, of course, and for, and for many years now, there's lots of talk about identity. Identity politics, right? gender and identity, racial identity, etc., etc. And as Christians, we have to, we have to be convinced that, that our true identity is revealed in our faith. Our true, our true identity consists in our relationship to God. Lord, this is the greatest thing about me, my relationship to you. The greatest thing about me, Lord, is my relationship to you and to God the Father. And we can even go further than that, talking of identity. We can say, I am my relationship to God. Without God, I am nothing. Jesus says, the Gospel of John, without me, you can do nothing. And since, Lord, you create me and hold me in existence... I can't even exist without you. And so in a way we can say, I am my relationship with God. And since God is love, I can say, I am God's love for me. And so the task, Lord, of my life is to let you be God in me and for me. The task of my life, Lord, is to live and to do and to think what you want me to live and to do and to think because you're in me, working through me. And that would be the greatest life for me, the life in which I'm most aware of my relationship with God, most aware, Lord, of your activity in me, most aware and, and most compliant with whatever you want to do in my life. And all those other ways, Lord, of, of identifying ourselves, which are important, are nevertheless secondary. Lord, who my skin color says who I am, who my ethnicity says who I am, who society says who I am, who my family says who I am, who different groups say who I am is all secondary, Lord, to who I really am because of my relationship with you. How silly, Lord. How silly, Lord, to find my identity, my fundamental identity in anything else besides what you think of me.
and you, Lord, have called me son or daughter, friend, disciple, image and likeness of God. St. Irenaeus has this wonderful, famous quote talking about our, our potential in the Christian life and our connection with God. Irenaeus preached, The glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God is man fully alive. This is what God wants for us. He finds his glory in, in the fullness of our life, in our fulfilling our potential. Many people know that quote. It's a famous quote, but unfortunately not too many people know that it's part of a larger sentence. St. Irenaeus doesn't just say the glory of God is man fully alive. He goes on to say more. This is the full quote. The glory of God is man fully alive, and the life of man is the vision of God. The life of man is the vision of God. And so we're made to be contemplative. We're made to see God. This is our, this is our great dignity, our great capacity that other creatures lack. Do you want a good life? Do you want a great life? Do you want the fullness of life? Try to see God. See God in your prayer. See God in the sacraments. See God in your home. See God in your work. See God in others. The life of man is the vision of God. The vision of God, Lord, not the vision of YouTube, not the vision of Netflix, not the vision of Facebook, not the vision of Instagram, not the vision of TikTok, although if you're watching TikTok, you have to be careful because someone else is watching you back, spying on you apparently. And Lord, all of these things, all these forms of entertainment, of distraction, they're, they're so good because there's so much money to be made and there's so many smart and interesting and talented people producing all of this content. But my glory, Lord, and my life is my connection with you. The vision of God. The ability to see God because he wants us to love him and he wants us to know his love for to know his love for us. To see how much God loves us. So Lord, how do I spend my time? How do I guard and channel my imagination, my thoughts. Lord, are you on my mind? Do you form, Lord, the basis of my identity? Do I really think of myself as Christian, first and foremost, as child of God? Do I think of you, Lord, continually, habitually, as my Father? And we say, the Our Father, Perhaps many of us, many times a day. And, and because it's so 
often does it does it lead to that familiarity that breeds routine like saying the word dog too many times dog 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 you know our father our father our father our father and then it can be emptied of its deep meaning lord help me to pray to our father with faith let it be for me a reminder of your care for me of your closeness of my dignity i am Son of God, I am a brother of Christ. I am a Christian, a disciple, a son or daughter of the church. Lord, I want to be fully, fully alive. Lord, I want my life to be meaningful and happy and full of security and peace. And you teach us, Lord, you teach us the fullness of life. I am the way and the truth and the life. And we see here that our Lord is exclusive. He doesn't say I'm part of the way and I'm half of the truth and I am a little bit of the life. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the way, the truth, the life. He claims all of it. And so, Lord, we'll find that fullness of life. We'll find the happiness and the joy, the peace and the security and the personal identity, the meaning of our life only by following you. You're the only way. You're the only truth. You're the only life. So where is the next step, Lord? Where's the conversion you're expecting of me this month, this summer? Where, Lord, do I need to let you be more primary for me? Where am I resisting your presence in my life? We go to Our Lady. Our Lady who is defined precisely in her identity by her relationship to God. She's the handmaid of the Lord. That's how she identifies herself. She identifies herself. Her identity is found in her, in, her, in her role of service to God, humble service to God. Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. She is the mother of God the Son. Her person, her identity, constituted by her relationship with God, mother of God the Son. She is spouse of God the Holy Spirit. Again, her identity, her person, found in relationship, relationship to God. And like us, she is daughter of God the Father. God the Father is her father. And so we go to Our Lady and we ask her, ask her for the grace. Help us not to fall into a, a bad kind of familiarity a bad kind of routine as Christians. Help us to be aware of the wonder of having God present in our life. Help us, like Isaiah and like Job, to be struck by the transcendent awesomeness of this God who's so close to us. And then help us, like you, to find our identity, to find 
our true life, our true good, in this relationship, that this is who we are, of anything else, above anything else anyone thinks of us, anything we think of ourselves, we are the way we relate to God. We are who we are. We exist at all <laughs> because God creates us, because God loves us, because God relates to us. Help us to be aware, Mother, of this wonderful privilege of living as sons and daughters of God, disciples of our Lord, brothers and sisters of Christ. And help us to be aware of this awesome transcendence of God, the first and the last, the creator of heaven and earth, this holy, holy, holy Lord, who nevertheless is ours, is mine. Our Lady, our Mother, Queen of all saints, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect, my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me.